You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. Amen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris. And I'd like to continue on in Genesis, which is where we've been the last couple weeks, and we'll be again this week and next week. If you, uh, you should have the handout with the whole liturgy, but then there's a half sheet uh, handout that I need to make sure everybody has and a pen if possible. If you didn't get one of those, you can go grab one in the back over by the donuts. Grab a donut if there's still one left as well. But you need one of these little half sheet handouts. It'll be a lot better if you have one and a pen if possible. So, I'm going to have you do something at the top here. Rank one to four. I have four statements, and I'm going to have you rank one to four, uh, one being the one that most makes you want to crawl under a rock or crawl behind the tree and kind of hide from everybody else. So all four of these, you're probably going to be like, yeah, I can see myself do that. Uh, Or if you're prideful and arrogant and you think that you're great, you'll be like, no, I don't do any of these, and that's fine too. We'll make a fifth one for you. But uh, the first one is this. When I don't feel safe, I grasp for something to hold on to. When I don't feel safe, like imagine if you're at the edge of a cliff, you're walking up at the edge of a cliff or at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and you go to the edge, and you start to find yourself, I don't feel safe here, I start to find myself, what you want to do is you want to grab onto something. You want to grab onto something. When I don't feel safe, I grab on to something to hold on to. Number two, the second one, when I don't feel important, when I don't feel like I matter, when I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything, when I don't feel like... I have status compared to other people. I grasp for something to pull myself up by. And you can see the, 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 the image here. When I feel inferior, I reach up to something. I'm trying to climb that mountain, trying to climb up and get up. I'm going to grab something, some accomplishment, some name for myself, something that I can do to pull myself up and to make myself something. Some of us, not all of you, but some of us would put that one as number one. Number, uh, the third one, when I don't feel seen, when I don't feel seen, I grasp for someone's face to look at me. When I feel alone and lonely, when I feel like I don't matter to anybody else, the image is like if you grab someone by, put both your hands on their cheeks and like turn them, like look at me and you'll do, what will you do? I'll do things because I want you to look at me to see me. So you grasp for someone's face to have them look at you. When I don't feel fulfilled, I grasp for something to quench that hunger. It's a mixing of, that doesn't make sense. You don't really quench your, quench your thirst or satiate your hunger. I grasp for something. I go to the refrigerator. I go to the liquor cabinet. I go to something to say, I don't feel satisfied. There seems something that's not satisfying me. And I go and I want to grab something out of the fridge, out of the cabinet. Out of, I want to grab something and I want to put it in. I want to eat that. I need that so that I can feel satiated, so I can quench that thirst. Now here, to all of us probably you could say, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. I can see how I do that. But just rank order these, one to four. I'm going to give you about a minute to do that. or Actually, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Rank order those. And once you have them, I want you to turn, ready? I want you to turn to some people around you and just share which one did you put as number one and why. And if, you don't, if, you, if you're like, hey, this is my first time here, what am I doing? I'm out, 
Like, I'm out in a yard, and somebody brought me here. I'm sitting in a yard, and now I have to turn to someone I don't even know and tell them my deepest darkest, like, this is the thing I do wrong. You don't have to share. Just say, you can say, my number one is the third one, that's it. Or you, or you don't have to say that, just say pass, and nobody will judge you for passing, okay? So take a couple moments, rank order, one, two, three, four, what order would you put them, and then share with some people which one is number one for you, and if you're comfortable sharing, maybe why do you, why do you think you go to that one most? Dang it! That's a lot of conversation going on out here. Like I was really thinking, I mean, we're coming up in June, it will be 13 years since we planted this church. We have been going 13 years. And you would think, and some of you have been here since the beginning. And even some of you have been here since the beginning, Bacons, Jessica. Some of us have been here since the beginning, and you would think that you guys would be mature enough by now that we wouldn't still be grasping for things. That you would be sitting there, and you'd be like, I don't know, I mean, I guess kind of what, but there wouldn't really be any conversation. But there's conversation all across the yard right now. We're a community of people who are continually grasping for different things other than the Lord our God, the one who saves us. Every week we come here and we say it's God who saves us. Reach to him. Reach to him because he's already reached to us. But over and over, even though God has already saved us, we continually come after other things to try to grasp onto them and they're false gods that will fail us. And there's no shortage of conversation among you guys now. Good job. 13 years in. Imagine, imagine we're a group of, of Israelites who, who 13 years ago God had rescued out of slavery in Egypt. 13 years ago God had rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. Somebody who's good at math, do the math. How much longer do they have to go that they're going to be sitting in the wilderness? 27 years. They still got 27 years to go. And they're sitting here in the wilderness. And just like us, they might be sitting here and thinking, thinking back, realizing we are such a people who grasp after things other than Yahweh, our God. Remember back 13 years ago when God had rescued us out of Egypt? And what's the first thing we do? Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments from God. He's gone for like a day and a half, two, three days. And all of a sudden, you know what we do? We start grasping the... the, the what are the earrings? Hi. Earrings out of our ears. And we throw all the gold together. And we make this golden calf. And we're grasping after this calf. And Moses comes down. He drops the tablets. And it's this terrible thing. And you'd think we would have learned our lesson then. But then a couple months later, we're out in the wilderness. And we start complaining and saying, oh, I wish we could go back to slavery in Egypt. This is so miserable out here. God, he doesn't even care for us. And, he, and we, we don't have any food. And so he sends the quail. And we start eating quail until it's coming out of our nostrils, it says. Because we're grasping. We keep grasping after things. And then there's the guy who grasped the tabernacle. And he grasped it because it's going to fall. And that guy dies. And then all these other people die with him, too. We keep over and over as we find ourselves for 40 years out in the wilderness being a people who continue to grasp. 
And it's those people to which Moses, their leader, he writes them a story. He writes them a story to tell them who they are and to remind them that they need not be a people who grasp and who try to go after other things. And so there's six scenes in this story, and you can see it there on your handout. You can read along there. With I have the, the verses. I encourage you. I'm not going to open the Bible today. I'm going to tell you these stories, but I encourage you. I have the verses there. Read through these this week. Read through these. Season one, episode one, the first scene here. The one where Jacob and Esau are twins. And Jacob comes out, Esau's born first, and then Jacob comes out grasping, holding on to his brother's heel. And his mom looks at him and says, okay, well, the first one, he's really red and hairy, so we're going to name him Esau. That's what that means. And the second one is grasping, holding on. We're going to call him, he grasps, he holds on. He's trying to get something from his brother. And so you hear this story, and it starts out with the one brother Jacob grasping and being called. Basically, he grasps. Then, scene two, the one where Jacob grabs Esau's birthright. This story might be familiar. He comes in and, uh, and he's, he's eating some, he's eating, Jacob's making some porridge eating that. Esau comes in from honey. He's, he's really tired. He says, give me some of your porridge. He says, I'll give you some porridge for your birthright. And so what does Jacob do? He, Esau goes for it. And essentially, Jacob is grabbing the birthright from his brother. What's due to him? The next one, the one where Jacob grabs Esau's blessing. He grabs his blessing. The father is getting old. His eyes are growing dark. And he says, I want to bless and give my blessing to my oldest son. That means that everything I have as the firstborn, I'm going to put my hand on his head and I'm going to bless him so that he will inherit all that I have. And Jacob and his mom basically formed this plan to get Esau to go out. And he sneaks into his father's room, gets his hand on him, and his father blesses him. And he grasps and steals his brother's blessing. Jacob is grasping the heel. He's grasping the birthright. He's grasping the blessing. He continues to grasp and grasp and grasp. His brother Esau is not happy with him, and so he has to run away. And the next one, he goes out. He goes and he finds this man named Laban, who's got two daughters, and Laban, his father-in-law, basically punks him. Says, work seven years for this one daughter, and he surprises him, and he gives him the other daughter. It's a fun story to read in Genesis 29. Fourteen years it takes him because he's been grasping so much. And then the next one, after he has grasped his brother's heel, he's grasped his brother's birthright, he's grasped his brother's blessing, He's been grasped by his father-in-law and now, and now goes back to his father-in-law and he does this little deal as he's leaving where he grasps after his flock and he makes some of them speckled and dotted. So you're sitting in the wilderness and you know you're a people who have lots to talk about when we talk about the ways that we grasp for things other than for the Lord. And you read this story And you realize, gosh, we're just like Jacob, who all throughout his life just continues grasping for all these different things. And you're sitting here and you're like, gee, Moses, this is really encouraging. Thanks. 
we've been going 13 years. Maybe in the next 13 years, it sounds like it's just going to be the same. This is who we are. This is our identity. We're doomed to just grasp for other things. Look at season one, episode six. The one where God grabs Jacob. In this scene, God, it's an angel or it's God, commentators aren't sure. But in essence, God comes to Jacob and they start wrestling. They're doing like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They're rolling around, they're wrestling, they're fighting. And he, he's like, let me go, I gotta go. And they're wanting, it's going back and forth. And all of a sudden, God or the angel, it touches Jacob's hip. And he just touches it and it puts his hip out of socket and Jacob realizes, I'm done. And he lets him go. And what happens here is Jacob's trying to grasp after God, but it's actually God who is wrestling with Jacob. In some of your Bibles, when you open them up and you read this, the heading will say, Jacob wrestles with God. That's wrong. It's God who initiates and wrestles with Jacob. And he says to him, listen to this. He says, your name is Jacob, which means he grasps. You all, you all, nothing short to talk about. There was so much chatter going up across this. You guys are people who grasp. You grab for things other than God. This is who you are. This is your identity. This is what you do over and over and over. And before he leaves, God says to Jacob, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name will now be Israel, which means wrestled with God. God has wrestled with you. God has reached down, has done something. He's hurt you, he's put your hip out, but he has come and wrestled with you and your name is now no longer, even though all of his life, what Jacob had been doing was grabbing his brother's heel, his brother's birthright, his brother's blessing, his father-in-law's flock, and now something is changed. He says, you have a new name because you have wrestled with God. Your name is Israel. And when you had heard Moses say that, you would have thought, That's who we are. We're Israel. That's what we're known by. This was our great, 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 great grandfather. And that's who we are. That's our line. We're not just the people who grasp after other things. But our primary and our fundamental identity is that God has wrestled with us and has done something to reach down, to knock us out, and to bring us to himself. God has done something. And they would have been reminded that God indeed has wrestled and has brought us out of slavery in Egypt. And they would have trusted, and we know that it may still be 27 years, but God will bring us into the promised land. And so for us, would we be a people who even though we continue to grasp, we continue to wrestle, the struggle with sin and rebellion, the stuff deep within us, it is real and it continues on. But would we be a people who know that our primary identity is that we are the new and restored Israel of God. That God has wrestled with us in Christ. That he has sent Jesus. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. That is something, there is a having happenedness to this. 
It has already happened. In the same way where the Israelites had already been rescued from slavery, Jesus has already died and risen from the grave. It has already happened. And just as Israel, they would have been sitting there 13 years in, knowing that in 27 years, they were going to go into the promised land. We don't know when, but we know that one day Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will be at hand, finally and fully. And the words of uh, Lincoln, uh, one of my greatest favorite theologians, Lincoln Meredith. Hey, Link. Uh, Lincoln Meredith, the other day, I said, Lincoln, do you know how I know that Jesus loves me? And he says, because he does. I was like, yeah, duh. And I said, do you know how he loves I know he loves me because Jesus, he, Jesus died for us. And he's like, yeah. But Lincoln said, but he didn't stay dead. He said, but he, he came back. And, he's, and he said, and he's going to come back, and there's going to be no more bad things and no more spankings. And so let us be like Lincoln, who know that one day, one day very soon, he will return. And when we know that our identity, even though we continually find ourselves grasping for things, know that our identity is as the new restored Israel of God because Jesus is the one true faithful Israelite. As this people, as long as the fire engine that's coming, just want to state the awkwardness. As long as they don't stop right here with us, we're going to come to the table. Would you take this other, uh, actually, before you get the other hand, uh, sorry. Fire truck's throwing me off. Would you guys, at the bottom of this handout, there's a, a few things to say here. I'd love you to just take a few moments to journal, to write some answers to these questions. God, I, don't, I confess I don't trust that you are blank. And one way, one way to, to see this, which one up top did you put number one by? And then notice there's a word at the end, at the end of that statement with a G. I don't believe you're this word. I don't believe that you're great, that you're gracious, that you're glorious, that you're good. So God, I don't believe that you're gracious. So I grab for blank. What would you put there? What are the things that you find yourself grabbing for, grasping for? but I know that you wrestle with me and say that my name is blank. What's your new name? Beloved? A son? A daughter? Chosen? The renewed Israel? Child? Justified? Proven? And then the last one, today I need. I wonder if you just be honest and vulnerable, like these little kids that are running around you here, like they don't have a problem telling you what they need. I'm hungry. I need water. I need to go to the bathroom. I need, what do you need? What do you need from God today? Take a few moments and write your answers. Spend a few moments with the Lord before we move to the table. Lincoln is my favorite theologian. My second favorite theologian, Chris Hamilton, just suggested that in the same way where God comes to Jacob, instead of you coming up to receive communion today, 
that we would bring communion to you. And so you can stay, you can stay in, your, in your seat, and uh, those who are serving communion will bring the elements to you. Realizing that even though we grasp, we come, we try to get things, I just encourage you to put your hands when they come to you. Just stand there and, and hold your hands out like this. And let, let Chris put a piece of bread in your hand. Let, let him give it to you. You don't have to grasp for it. You don't have to take it off the table. You don't have to take it. You just stand there and receive. And you can just say thank you or thanks be to God. And then, uh, and then the same with the juice. So you receive it today. Let us come to the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Would you stand together with me as we proclaim the mystery of faith? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And let us say together this prayer of humble access as we humbly have access to the table of our Lord. We do not presume to come to this, your table, O most merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. I encourage you to receive the gifts of God as we sing this last song.